0: Trauma hurts us, but trauma does not define us. Come along with us on a self-help journey as we learn to heal and trust again. We'll share personal stories of childhood trauma and strategies to help you deal with toxic, narcissistic, manipulative, and addicted people in your life, including co-parenting with them. This is our time to speak our truths, come together, and move forward with love. Let's get it out in the open. This is Ash Outspoken. Alright guys welcome to episode three I named this daddy issues it's pretty self-explanatory and I've honestly recorded this like six times and I just don't I feel like I just have to go off the wall no papers no nothing and I'm just going to we're just gonna do like a a story time I just feel like it gets out better that way where it's just me my microphone and you guys listening. And it's probably not going to be perfect, but we're just going to get through this together. And this episode, a lot of it is about addiction, mostly my father's addiction problems and how it really affected me into adulthood and how it was another Thing on top of all of the trauma I have already endured and how it made me very codependent. And I'm sure if you've listened to episode two and heard, you know, the first part of my childhood, you'll realize or notice how many, you know, aff- effects that had on me. And then you throw on codependency on top of it and it just creates a mess, man. So we're going to do a little bit of story time here. After um, episode two, I went to live with my, my father. And my mom and my siblings eventually moved to the town I was living in. But my dad, who it is, I had conversations with him before this episode before even shooting this episode. And he actually, which I'm very grateful and thankful for, because I would probably have had a hard time doing this if he wouldn't have told me to go for it. He told he said, go for it. I don't want you to hold back. I want you to tell the truth because this might actually help somebody else, which this is why At the end of the day, I have so much love for my dad because it's moments like that where he is just so much like me, like he really is. But we have years and years and years and years of addictive behaviors on top of that. And it's really a hard thing to balance and a hard thing to go through in a in a hard, you come to a hard realization of how to deal with it. And we'll get into that. But right after my, right after all of that stuff happened in episode two, I lived with my dad and I had the choice onto where I wanted to live. And at that point I had already been with my dad for a little bit and I was getting a little bit more spoiled and it was just a completely different environment my dad had a business and he was pretty well off and i chose that i wanted to live with my dad and for and for selfish reasons honestly for selfish reasons i feel stupid saying that because i'm the most least selfish person but at that point in time, I selfishly decided to do that. And it was a decision that I did regret down the road because of the way that they had done custody back in the day. It was it was every other weekend I could then see my mom and my siblings. And I personally had a really hard time with that. I For the first 11 years of my life, I was with my mom the most with my mom, my brother and sister. And I had, there's almost some trauma surrounding that, that in my adult life, I, I recognize that I just remember missing my mom so much, my mom and my siblings. And I had a lot of problems with that. You know, with the last episode, I talked about the the storms coming through and how I would freak out and stuff like that. But I just, I really miss them. I wanted to be around them more. And now in my adult life, my sister, my youngest sister is literally my best friend. And it's just, I don't know, it's a hard thing to go through. And I don't want to tell anybody how to parent, but you have to think about your children as well and what they're going through. And I say this because my youngest daughter just, this was like a month ago, she said to me, I she said, I want, I want you and my dad just to live in the same house. You don't have to be together, but just live in the same house so I can see you and my dad whenever I want. And I felt that in my soul. I, I used to feel the same exact way when I was a kid. I used to envision my mom and my dad, even not together because my dad was married and I, I respect and love my stepmom to this day, but not for them to be together, but for them to live in a close proximity so I could see my mom and my dad and my siblings anytime I wanted. And I didn't have to choose. I didn't have to be put in the middle. I could just see them and everybody could get along. And to this day, I strive as as hard as it is. Sometimes I really strive to do that for my kids and and maybe sometimes it might not always be right, but I just, I, I really strive for that because I remember how that felt. I remembered how terrible of a feeling and how sick to my stomach it made me when all I wanted to do was see my mom or I didn't see her enough and I had to go back to my dad's and I would sit and cry and I'd say, I don't wanna go to my dad's, I wanna be here, I wanna be here. And then just having to go back. It wasn't because anything terrible was happening to me at my dad's. I just genuinely wanted my mom. And as a kid, that's normal. That's okay. But I'm going to go back to kind of, so I kind of got off subject there a little bit. But So I was living with my dad most of the time. And my dad had, I mean, I don't know how long, but I I am heard that my dad has had alcohol problems since he was a kid. And I know that he had some childhood trauma. I'm not going to go too much into it because it's not really my story to tell, but he had childhood trauma. And back then, nobody talked about that stuff. You didn't have podcasts or internet or there was, it wasn't on TV. Like nobody talked about that stuff. And in order for my dad to cope, this isn't making excuses for his behavior. This is understanding it. In order for him to cope, he started drinking at a very, very young age. And when you start drinking at a young age, you stop maturing. So my dad has a maturity level of maybe like a 15, 16, 17 year old at times. Like that was his maturity level because he had been drinking his whole life. And at first, when I lived there, my dad was a very functioning, the quote, a functioning alcoholic. He ran a business and it was pretty successful. And we would go on, my stepmom was always really good. And I, to this day, am so thankful for her, but she would take us on trips. Her and I went to the Bahamas one year, we went on a cruise and we did all sorts of things like that but at home you know my dad would come home he'd start drinking and then he would just he wasn't abusive but he would say shit to purposely get at you and that's how we grew up with him he's a very sarcastic person i'm i'm very much i'm like that too like i can i'm very sarcastic and he's the funniest person when he's sober, like the funniest person on the planet where he will, you will like literally pee your pants laughing at him. But all of that went away. He would almost like, you would look at him and he'd almost watch his face like kind of melt. Everything would kind of droop. And this was day after day after day. Like my whole childhood growing up, that's how he was. He'd be sober all day. And then every night it was the same thing. And he did a couple times he, and when he listens to this, it might hurt his feelings that I'm bringing this up because he probably doesn't even honestly remember saying it, but he would say to me that I was never going to amount to anything because of what had happened to me, that I was going to have problems the rest of my life. So, you know, pretty much he's, he's right there setting me up to have problems. You're going to have problems the rest of your life. He would call me Flipper, said you're not going to do anything but flip burgers the rest of your life. Granted, though, like I will give him a little bit at that point. I think I was a freshman in high school. I had skipped my Spanish class for a whole entire semester and he was getting... (laughs) he was getting threatened to get, that he would have to go to jail if he didn't start making me go to school. And he didn't even know any of this was going on. So I do, I see where he's coming from, but maybe he should have gone about it in a little bit of a different way. I, I don't know. But the the one thing that he did say to me that really, like, honestly hurt me was he would get, he'd be drinking and he would question, um, his, my paternity and whether or not he was actually my father, because back then they did a paternity test or whatever. And he was 99.98 or whatever, um, percent sure that he was my dad. And he was, he would say, well, I don't know those paternity tests back in the day, they weren't that great. Da-da-da. And I would say, okay, well, let's go do one right now. Because I'm sick and tired of hearing the shit. Like, let's go do one right now. Oh no, no, no. I can't imagine. I could never imagine if I wasn't your biological dad. I just wouldn't want to know. Blah, 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 blah. But then I found myself when I got older trying to prove like, look at my daughter, my oldest daughter, she has his dimples. She was born with them. And it, it was like, look at, look at her dimples. Where else did she get it from? He's the only one that has them. Look at it. Or my youngest, she has ear problems. She had to get tubes in her ears recently. And my dad's the same exact way. He had ear problems when he was a kid. And I found myself trying to prove that look at, look at, look at her, look at, you know, this, look at that. This is, and I, and then I was just like, you know what? This is freaking crazy. He's crazy. And I, one day I was like, it, I was dead serious. I was like, we're get in the car right now. We're going to go do a paternity, paternity test or you're never going to say anything about it anymore ever again in my life. Like I'm done with this, this narrative that you have in your head. But we never did, but I know that he's my father, but it's shit like that stuff that gets said like that. It's just you, you shouldn't have to deal with that. And we eventually, my stepmom ended up, she had enough (laughs) and she ended up leaving my dad and he really lost it then we he i ended up having to kind of pull a like half ass intervention on him and i said you have to go to rehab right now or um i'm you're not going to see me or your grandkids point blank done we're not doing this anymore and he agreed to go like the next day or whatever which i was like okay fine he's agreeing to go And he got absolutely wasted. I had to, literally, no kid should ever ever have to do this for their parent. But I had to, like, help him to the car. I had to drive him to rehab. I had to help him in rehab. I had to help him sign his name. Like, I had to do all of that stuff for him. He went. He was in there for... I mean, not very long, less than 30 days. He got out, he was doing good, and he almost immediately relapsed. And then he ended up maybe, I think maybe he went back to rehab again after that, relapsed again. And then he ended up in the hospital because he was having uh, issues with his pancreas. He was pancreatitis. He would go into the hospital when he was having really bad stomach pains, and they ended up having to put him in a medically induced coma for him to detox. It was pretty short, a couple days, and he was able to come out of it, but then we as a family kind of came together and decided, like, decided, like, the his um, emergency forms at the hospital, And stuff like that kind of we had to come together and have the conversation of what we were going to do because he has to have somebody there to make medical decisions, especially if he's being being put in medically induced comas. Fast forward a few months, maybe a year. I don't even know. He ended up going into the hospital for stomach pains again. And they he would not let uh any of the hospital people call us at all until they saw that he had something called negritizing pancreatitis, which, which meant that part of his pancreas was dying. So they had to put him in a medically induced coma and fly him to airlift him to a different hospital that could deal with him. So then they called us and we, I drove and my stepmom drove down there. They were in the middle of their divorce, but she still came for support, you know, mostly for me. I was the only kid that went and just, I mean, she was with them for over 20 years. She had to have had some and had a child with them. Like she, she wanted to know what was happening, but um, we get down there and this was a huge eye opener for me he was in the best hospital in the nation and he was in the icu and they i watched i literally watched my father he was in the coma at the time but i watched him have seizures i what he was afib so his heart rate would get fast or something so we would sit and watch the heart monitors we didn't know if he was going to make it Um, that's how hard his detox, I think he was, I think he was in the coma for at least a week, maybe a week to 10 days. They had him in the coma to detox and probably for pain too, that negritizing pancreatitis is really painful. And at that point, once he got out of the hospital, this is the the sad thing. He was so good. He got out, he was doing his steps. He was going to AA meetings. He was making amends with everybody in his life. He was um, the most attentive father. He was really trying to make up for all of the shit he had put us through. He was so good. And I just that is the way that I envision my father to this day. That's the way I cope with everything is knowing that deep down inside, underneath all that trauma, all that addiction, all that bullshit, like he is really, he is a good man. The funniest man ever, super cares about other people. And that's why I'm able to even talk about this on this platform. Is because he gave me the go ahead to talk about it. He wants his story to be heard, and he wants people to be able to hear it and maybe help somebody along the way. Very much like my father in that way. After that, he he has relapsed multiple times. After that, um, I found myself really going down this rabbit hole every time I would talk to him. And I'm, I'm really quick. I can tell within the first 30 seconds of talking to my dad, whether or not he's drinking, I know how he sounds. I know what he talks about. I know real quick, but the thing with addicts is they're very manipulative and they don't, especially if they don't, if they're trying to put on this persona that they're sober to family and stuff like that, because they don't want, you know, once you, once you go into a medically induced coma and your whole entire family knows that you are, you know, you are an addict, you are bad after that. And when they relapse, they don't want anybody thinking that they're using. So the manipulation starts the, you know, the games and all of that. And it really, really consumed me for, a long time and at one point I ended up I left a relationship and I ended up moving in with my dad worst worst thing I ever did for myself because then it was really like I would come home and I'd be like you're drinking like I could I would be like you're drinking but then he would make me feel crazy for thinking that and then I would find like alcohol. And I talk to him and I'm like, he's drinking. And then I tell my family and they're like, he's not drinking. And then I'd be the crazy person. So it was just a big, bad, hard scenario to go through. And it just really gets, it's just really, really, really exhausting going through all of it. You get to a point that I'm at right now, and I don't mean to sound heartless or like I'm not empathetic because I really really am I look at myself and I know how easily I can go down that road I know but awareness is key anybody with the amount of trauma that I've been through it is super easy to go down the addiction route because you'd I know how good it makes me feel I know how good alcohol makes me feel it makes me feel chatty I laugh I have a good time It's just, I know how good it makes me feel, but I also know how easily I could get into that routine of drinking every single day. For one, I grew up with it. For two, I have family trauma. And for three, it's in my DNA. Like it literally is in my DNA. I, it's so easy for it to happen to me. And I try to be with my older kids open with it. Like I tell them, Your grandfather, he's had problems with alcohol. He's not healthy. There, you know, this can this will happen to you if you go down this road. Like awareness is key. It is such a big thing. And I had to, with my father, I had to take control of my relationship with him. I talk to my dad on my terms now. I realize that I cannot let the addict control my life. I can't sit and worry if he's drinking, sit and worry if he's in the hospital, sit and worry if he's dead. I can't worry about that. I can't live my life every single day worrying about an addict who has had every single opportunity to get sober. He has been to rehab. He knows all the steps he has to take. We've been down this road multiple times. It's not a thing about knowing. It's to the point now where he is older. He has lived three quarters of his life using his brain. He's just at this point in time, I cannot control him. I cannot make him be sober he could be sober right now. I don't know. I don't dive into it. I don't want to know. It just, it's too consuming on my life. So that's the relationship that I have right now with my dad. And once I let things go, now I can just imagine the memory of when he was sober and how good he was when he was healthy and he was with it. And that's how I associate it my dad. And maybe that's a coping mechanism. I don't know, but I just wanted to tell that story and get that out there. And if you are a person that does have trauma or addiction problems and stuff like that, it's really, really important to get help when you're young, even 30s, do it, get help. You don't want your kids growing up the way that I did. You don't want your kids to be codependent. You don't want that stuff. And with that, I just, I want to talk about codependency a little bit and we'll, we'll have future episodes where we really dive into this because it is such an important topic to talk about. And I really feel like a lot of people have it, but, um, codependency, I just want to rattle off a few things about it. Uh, It's a difficulty making decisions in a relationship. I know that I've definitely 100% had that problem. Um, Difficulty identifying your feelings. Again, that is, that's another one that I have, but for an example of difficulty identifying your feelings, I just recently have had this problem. As much as I sit here and I want to act like I'm cured, I'm not. But I felt I had left a job and I felt like I had to prove that, prove over and over again about why I left. I knew why I left. I knew it was unhealthy. I knew I had to leave and for my own sanity or I was going crazy. And it's just like, feeling guilty about feeling that way. It's the best way I can explain it. Feeling guilty of feeling like you need to leave for your best interest. Codependent right there. Um, Difficulty communicating in a relationship. Pretty self-explanatory. And we will dive into this. We really will especially when I get into narcissism and toxic relationships and all of that fun stuff, which I'm honestly excited about talking about. But we'll dive into this codependency and talk about all that fun stuff. Until then, I would love it if all of you listeners would go to Ash Outspoken on Instagram and Facebook, all one word, Ash Outspoken, I also have links for Snipfeed on my on both of my um, profiles where you can book a one-on-one session with me. We can do it on video if you don't want to be seen or something like that. we can we can do it over the phone, shoot me a message. And yeah, I'm here for anybody that wants to, talk about trauma. Also shoot me a message if you feel like you have a story that you want to tell. This whole thing for me has been, it's like a therapy session for me, being able to tell my story, get it out there. And just, it's so good to talk about it and you can remain a non We'll talk. Just message me if you feel like you have a story you want to tell. We can talk and kind of figure that out. Until then, I hope you guys have a great week. Well, there'll be another episode next week. And that one will be all about narcissism, toxic relationships. That's probably going to be a couple episodes long. But yeah, message me. Have a great day. Thank you so much for listening. I deeply, deeply am humbled and appreciate it. So thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Ash Outspoken. If you found value in this episode, please leave a rating and review. Remember that you are not alone on this healing journey. Follow Ashley on Facebook and Instagram at Ash Outspoken.